Well, good morning. You know, as we were planning for today, which is Vision Sunday, which I'm so excited for today. As we were planning for today, and Patrick and I and Cameron and Elijah were meeting, I said, you know what? There's not a song that better expresses my heart than the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Because as I look back over the last year, that's exactly what I feel like God has been as faithful. If you believe that God has been faithful to us as a church and faithful to you over the last year, would you just say amen? amen? I'm telling you, I believe that. I believe he's been faithful to us. And you know, you think about it, as I look back over the last year, and what I want to do today is I want to take a moment and I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the faithfulness of God, and I want to celebrate where we've been the last year, but I also want to take some moments today, and I want us to look forward to what's ahead for us. A year ago today, a year ago, well, tomorrow, but really this weekend, a year ago, was my first Sunday here as East Campus Pastor. And we met outside because it was too hot in here, and the floors were too slick, and so we met outside. I never forget that. And I had to talk really, really loud, which I have a big mouth, so it was great for me. So we were outside, and I never forget, there's two things that happened in the message last year. Number one is I made a promise to all of you. I made a promise, first of all, that my family, we are here, and we are planted, and we're going to be here. And then the second promise I made was this, is that I was going to do everything in my power as your pastor to help us lead, uh, go down a path where we truly love God and love people with everything. And I hope you feel like over the last year, we have kept those promises and we're going to continue those promises. But one thing I challenged the church was this. I said, you know, as we move forward, we took the story of blind Bartimaeus. I said, as we move forward, here's my passion and my, my vision for the church. And it's this, is that we collectively would desperately pursue Jesus, collectively, that we would desperately pursue him, that we would have a deep-seated commitment to truly loving God and loving people. And I'm just going to say, as I look back over the last year, that's exactly what I've seen in this church. If you, if you feel like you've seen that, can we just give God a, a hand clap of praise this morning? I think I've seen that. Now, here's what I want to do for a few moments, all right? Because I know I'm quick to jump into scripture. Today, it's going to take me a little longer to get there. But I want to do this for just a minute. I want to take a moment, and I want to look back. I want to look back at what I've seen over the last year. And one of the things I've seen clearly is that I've seen a church that desperately loves Jesus. I've seen a church that has been desperately pursuing him. You say, well, Doug, how do you see that? Well, there's a couple of ways I've seen that the last couple of years, or last year. I've seen it in a lot of different ways, but let me give you two specifically that I've seen it in. One is our responses. You know, there's not many weeks that people are coming down to this altar and responding to the truth of God's word. There are many weeks that people are not coming to this altar and crying out either in repentance or crying out and asking God for wisdom or crying out and saying, Lord, I need strength to make it through the next day. People are coming to an altar before a holy God, acknowledging our unworthiness, but yet celebrating his grace and his mercy. And I have seen our church begin to really love God because people of God are coming to the altar before God and just laying it all on the line before him. I've seen that in our responses. I've also seen responses where people have come forward and said, you know what, today I want to give my life to Christ. Today I want my life to turn around and I want to turn from sin and I want to turn to Jesus. And I've seen people give their life to Christ in their responses. I've also seen people say this, you know what, Doug, I want to make my profession of faith. I want to go public. I want to follow in believer's baptism. And you know, over the last year, we have baptized many, many people in our beautiful portable baptistry where I drilled Parker's head the first time and outside. But you know, I've seen people rise up and say, I want the world to know that I love him. I want the world to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I've seen that in responses. But you know what I've also seen? I've also seen people come through these doors over the last year that say, you know what? I don't know what God's up to here. 
but he's up to something. And I love what's going on here, and I want to be a part, and I want to join in hand-in-hand hand with what God is doing here at Cross Life East. In fact, let's let it slide up real fast if we can, Thomas. That's how many people have joined our campus in the last 11 months. Almost 30 different people who've said, I want to buy into this. Yeah. So when you think about it, when you think about it, as we look back, I've seen how people really love, and this campus really love and pursue Jesus, you can take it off the screen now, Thomas. Thank you. They're staring at that instead of me. All right, thank you. Now listen, I've seen that, and I've seen it in our responses, but listen to me also. I've also seen it in our commitments that we've made last year. Now let me tell you some commitments that are important to me that many of you have made. One of those commitments is to do life together, to be in small groups. You know, I hope you never get tired of hearing me say this, that real biblical discipleship doesn't happen as much in rows as it does in circles. When you get along somebody else and you begin to walk life with them and you sit in the living room or you sit in the classroom where you're actually talking about life and studying scripture and you're in it together, there's something that happens growth-wise that we don't always get on a Sunday morning when we sit in rows. Do you know that right now that two-thirds of our congregation have committed to being in a small group? Almost, actually it's three-fourths, almost 80% of a regular tense on Sunday morning have said, I want to do life with other people. Listen, yeah, yeah, give yourselves a hand for that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, can I just tell you, because I've been in church a long time, my good friend Tom Weidman, who's been in church even longer than I have, because he's a lot older than I am, is here today. And listen, we would tell you, that never happens. 80% of the people buying into a small group, that never happens, but it happens here. And I've seen that commitment over and over again for people that, that say, hey, I want to do life together. But another commitment many of us make is a commitment to serve. You know, I grew up in a, in a church culture that said this, that 20% of the people will do 80% of the work right? That's not the case here. We've got people on a Sunday morning serving everywhere. We've got people who show up, believe it or not, before you, many of you wake up around 7, 48 o'clock every Sunday morning, and this place happens in 45 minutes. We have a setup and a teardown crew that can set this up, all this stage stuff, all this pipe and drape, all the chairs that they have been hauling from the second floor and the furthest point, like the South Pole, who have been getting, bringing them down. And we've got a children's ministry that we set up, and we've got a front area we set up. Every week, 45 minutes, a herd of people show up and say, I'm bought in, and I want to be part of this. We also have people that are working with our children every single week, and our teenagers every single week, that are basically driven by this. I want students, and I want children to know this, how to love, to know, and to trust God. And they are pouring their life into people. And then we have a tech team and a band who are willing to share their talents and their abilities to bring us into the throne room of God and to celebrate him. We have a team of hospitality and security workers that meet every week. So when you walk through the door, the first smiling face you see, even when you don't feel like smiling, is one of those folks. And when they come in, isn't there something about them that just makes you want to be excited about the day? Because especially if you walked in today, I mean, Dee Dee and Robin are outside, and they just exude excitement, enthusiasm. We have a team of hospitality workers that want to make us feel welcome and loved. And we have a security team that makes sure that we feel secure and safe on a sunny morning. And then we have a group of small group leaders every week that take this precious book and rightly divide the word of truth, that take this truth and pour it into our lives. You know, for us to do what we do on a weekly basis here, it takes over 40 volunteers. That's 35% of the people that show up on a Sunday morning is required to make this thing happen. And every week for a year, guess what? 
We have the same volunteers and different volunteers every week showing up to make this thing happen. And as I look back, one of the ways that I know that we love Jesus is by our commitment to do life together. Listen to this, our commitment to serve together. And this is the one I'm most excited about, our commitment to giving. And now I know you think, okay, it's Vision Sunday. I knew money was going to come somewhere in there. But listen to me. It's a good news. Do you know what? And maybe some of you will know this. September 22nd, 2013. Anybody know what that date was? If you know this date, you get a free t-shirt when we're done today. September 22nd, 2013. Yes. That's right. Good job, Alicia. You get a free t-shirt. It was the day that East Campus launched. The day. Yeah, it was awesome. Six years ago. Some of you aren't so excited, but it's great. Right, six years ago. Listen, most churches don't last past the first two years. And because the faithfulness of God's people here, this church has pressed on. With every gut punch, with every victory, this church has pressed on. 2013, September the 22nd, this church launched. And I just want to say this to you. Since inception, East Campus has always had to be backed financially by the Oviedo Campus to make sure that the rent and the staffing was taken care of. This campus has never been self-sufficient until now. For the first time since 2018, oh, it gets better. Hold on. It gets better. It gets better. This to current, today, right now, seven months in 2019, our campus has given more than we gave in all of 2018, which means this. Not only are we are on pace to meet our annual budget, but we are on pace for the first time in this church's existence to exceed our annual budget and to set us up for the future. Now, that's something we're celebrating, Right? And I'm so proud, so proud. And you said, Pastor, what's your point? Here's my point. As I look back, I see a church that truly, truly loves God. And I see it through our responses, and I see it through our commitments. But here's what I also see. I also see a church who truly has a heart to love people. And that's a big thing for me. And I'm not just talking about inside the walls. Listen, inside the walls, we, we have a great thing about loving people. In fact, if you're on Facebook, which you should be on Facebook, Kelsey does a great job every week of posting something to entice people to come. And here's my favorite thing, and I haven't told her about this, but here's my favorite thing. Every week, I see these pictures of people smiling, hugging, embracing, shaking hands with the feeling as though we're actually excited to be around other people on a Sunday morning. And here's the good news. She's not had to frame any of those pictures. That's real. We really do care about each other inside these walls. We do a great job of that. Would you think, do you think so, Kelsey? We do a wonderful job. She hasn't had to say, hey, look, Terry, can you pose hugging Terry so I can get a photo op for this? No, no, that's just part of who we are. But let me tell you this, also loving people outside the walls. And I'm just going to tell you, I want you to hear my heart this morning. This is the first church I've ever been a part of that truly, and listen, even the one I planted nine years ago, the first church I've ever been a part of, truly has a sense and a pulse of what it means to love people outside the walls. And I can think of a lot of examples to give us. One of my favorite examples when we first got this thing launched about serving our community was what we called a pop-up service op. And we still have those. It's a basically a pop-up service opportunity. It means something we've not planned we haven't sat down and planned it like for like weeks and weeks and weeks. It's something that just comes up and we meet the need. In fact, the first one happened with Kelly Belcher. She's an East River High School counselor. And she came to me uh, middle of a week and said, we're doing a thing for kids for, for Thanksgiving. And we're short five bags of food. Now, when I say a bag of food, I'm not just talking about like bread and milk kind of stuff. I'm talking 40 to $50 worth of stuff inside that bag. So a bag had a lot of stuff in it. 40 to $50 worth of stuff. 
And she came to me, she said, hey, Doug, do you think our church could come up with five bags? We're short five bags. We need five bags. Do you think our church could do it? I said, absolutely. So we sent an e-blast out this Sunday. You're going to be able to get a sheet of paper to tell you the things we need. If you want to get a whole bag, here it is. If you want to get an item, here it is. And as soon as service is over with, we want you to go to Publix immediately, not like next week, but immediately, go to Publix, buy an item, and come to the back of the parking lot, which seems kind of shady, and meet the Belchers or the Osbournes, and we're going to take it to East River. Can I just tell you, our church didn't do five bags. We did almost 25 bags. And in one moment, pop-up service opportunity. That's a church that loves people outside the walls. Another example would just simply be, we like to get trashy on Friday nights. Now, I'm not talking about your character. I'm talking about your hands, right? We made a commitment last year on Friday nights to go to the East River football game and pick up trash after everything was over. That's one of those service projects nobody knows, nobody cares is it dirty? Absolutely. But there's some janitors and some custodians that really knew that we were there. Right? We got trashy. But here's another one we did. And this was a big one. And it wasn't just me planning it. It was a team of people planning it. And it was called Cross Life Loves. Where we decided to go into the Bithlow area. And I love this because I've heard several people talk about this idea of not just giving people fish, but teaching them to fish. I know Don's talked about that. Kathy Guzman, I've talked about that. And what a great, what a great system to have when we serve is not just handouts, but let's teach them how to do this for themselves. And so we went to Bithel for the first time. What I had envisioned us doing is not at all what we did. And went to Bithel and met with the people, and I went back to our team and said, this is what they want. And our team did a great job coming up with a job fair. Well, yes, they were given clothes. Yes, they were given food. Yes, they had bounce houses for their kids. But at the end of the day, we taught people how to fish that day. People were allowed to understand what it means to do what a job interview looks like. They were allowed to create a resume. We even had on-site businesses show up, and three people were hired on-site that day. One guy I was standing, I think it was uh, Dee Dee and I were standing, and maybe Betsy were standing outside, and Betsy asked this guy, how was it for you today? And he raised both arms and said, I got a job. I got a job. Listen, we taught him how to fish that day. What a great heart from a church. And then just a little over a week ago, we were part of Bithel Back to School Fair. And here's why that's important to me. Yes, we had 17 totes filled full of school supplies that we gave out in under an hour. That's how many kids came through there. We face painted, we balloon animal, we had a great time. But here's why I love it. We were the only faith-based organization invited to be part of a community event. What does that say to you? That our community is looking at us going, you love us. You care, and we want you here. In fact, at the end of the day, I met Commissioner Bonilla. And at the end of the day, here's what she said to me. She said, I would love to meet with you sometime about how you can help us serve this community even better. But what an inlet, right? So when I look at this church and I look back, and here's what I love about this. Loving people, please hear me. Loving people is not something we just talk about around here. Loving people is not just something we do from time to time. I love this, that loving people has become part of our DNA at East Campus. It's part of just who we are. Amen? And I tell you, as I look back, here's what I say. A church that truly loves God and that truly loves people. And I want us to celebrate that today because that's God's faithfulness in our midst. Now, not only do I want to look back for a moment, I want to take a moment, I want to look forward. I want to look to what's ahead. What do we need to focus on as we move ahead? So if you have your Bibles, yes, I finally got there. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. I know I've ruined you because I usually jump in really quick. Acts chapter 2, and since you've been sitting for a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. And I'm going to read a very, very familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm going to ask God to bless it. Here it is, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they, being all those that gathered, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings 
and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were sitting, uh, settling their, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had any need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Listen to this. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, not us, but the Lord, added to their number day by day those that were being saved. May God bless the reading of his word. You may have a seat. As I look at this real quickly today, I want to give you, I want to give you five things that I believe that we need to focus on as we continue to move forward. Here's the first one. We need to have a greater devotion to God's word. We need, now listen, everything I'm saying today is not because we're not doing this. And you're going to notice everything is prefaced with a greater devotion too. I Meaning we're already doing it, but let's, let's up our game. Let's raise the ante. Let's give a little bit more all in than what we are. We need to have a greater devotion to God's word. Look at verse 42 again. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, the apostles' teachings were the teachings that basically shared the truth about who God was and who Jesus was. In fact, most conservative scholars would say this. The apostles' teachings were the apostles retelling the stories of Jesus and retelling the teachings of Jesus. So they would gather around and retell what Jesus had told. Or they would gather around and maybe retell the the Sermon on the Mount. But they would retell those things. Listen, for this first century church, this is why they gathered together. This is why they existed. This was the foundation that brought them together. It wasn't about following a band or following a person. It was we've got to gather around the word of God and we've got to invest in that word. See, for these people, the teachings, the Bible, what they were taught, the words of Jesus, this was the foundation for how they were going to live their lives. Now, please hear me today. Isn't it still the foundation for how we should live our lives? Isn't this word still the foundation for how I love God, love people, treat others, live my life, and make decisions? Isn't this word still alive and active today? Amen it is. And we need to have a greater devotion to it. We need to invest in this word, and we need to obey this word. Now, that needs to happen on a couple levels. It needs to happen, first of all, personally. I don't know, and I'm not asking any of you to respond to this, but here's what I know. Many of us in this room today are spending no time in this word. In fact, maybe the last time you broke it open was two weeks ago or last week, maybe when Pastor Mercer said, would you take your Bibles? Or two weeks ago when I said, would you take your Bibles? And since then, it's just set on a shelf. It's set on your, your nightstand. And when you picked it up today, you had to wipe the dust off of it because that's where it's sitting for a while. Well, there's no condemnation in that. But here's what I am saying. If we're going to move forward and be all that God wants us to be as a human being, as a Christ follower, and as a church, we need to have a greater devotion to God's word. We need to invest in it. Why did the psalmist say, I hide your words in my heart. So what? That will not sin against you. The reason we invest God's word into our life is that so we can live for him. Listen, when you take the word of God, that is the heart of God. You want to know what makes God upset? It's in the Bible. You want to know what blesses God? It's in scripture. If you want to know the heart of God, it's in here. And when we invest it into our lives, It enriches us with what the truth of God wants us to know. And if we obey it, we begin to live the life that he wants us to live. And so we have to invest in this word personally 
and we have to obey it personally, but also we need to invest in this word corporately. Now, I want to say something. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump right back out, okay? What we do on Sunday mornings matters. You being here on Sunday morning matters. Well, I know, Pastor, you're just saying that because you count. Yes, we do, but that's not why you matter. Can I tell you? Yes, and we count, and sometimes we have to count again, but it doesn't matter. That's not the reason. The reason that you being here on Sunday morning matters is because there's no other time in the week that you meet with the body of Christ to hear the word of God and let God do what God only does on a Sunday morning service. There's no other time in the week. Well, Doug, I can listen to podcasts. I know you can. I do it all the time, but there's something different about being with people of God, singing worship to God, and opening the word of God together. There's something different about that, and you being here matters. We need to have a greater devotion to God's word. Secondly, we need to have a greater devotion to fellowship. Look with me in verse 42 again. He says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. We must have a greater devotion to fellowship. Here's the one thing in church life that I've learned a lot, and mainly not among all men, but a lot of men. It's this. I don't need anybody else. Now, we don't mean that arrogantly sometimes. Maybe sometimes we do. We just mean it this way. My life's busy. I go to work. I try to love my family. I show up on Sunday. I'm here for worship. I don't need anything else on my calendar. I am tapped out. Well, listen to me. The word fellowship here is the Greek word koinonia, and it literally means partnership. It carries the idea of yoking yourself or being in community with somebody else. So the idea of biblical fellowship is this, is that I'm going to attach myself, I'm going to yoke myself, I'm going to be in community with other believers. That's biblical koinonia. Now, do you know why biblical koinonia is so important? Because guess what? We need each other. Do you believe that this morning? We need each other. Hey, whether you, listen, Michael Guzman, whether you believe it or not, you need me, right? I, you need me. And whether I believe it or not, guess what, Don Jacobs? I need you. And Don needs Jason Belcher. And Kelly needs Simon. We need each other. We were designed to be in community. And Luke even tells us who wrote the book of Acts how we can fellowship. He says two things. First of all, with the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread is, is kind of ambiguous in the sense it means two different things. On one hand, it means having a meal together. And secondly, it's talking about coming together through communion coming together and breaking the elements together, the bread that was broken. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. Many of you, when service is over with, I mean, I'm pretty fast. I know I have like ninja skills, and I lose my microphone to Elijah, and I slide out that curtain because I want to say everybody as they leave the door. And some of you still beat me. I mean, you're like flat out in the parking lot, and you're out of here. Listen, I want to challenge you something different. I want to challenge you to wait around, find someone, and go have a meal with them. I'm not saying you got to buy but I'm saying you got to go have a meal with them, right? I want you to go have a meal. You know what? Because when you sit around a table and you begin to have conversation, life just kind of comes out. You begin to vomit life out. I mean, you just begin to throw it all out there. Where you've been, what's going on, how many kids you have, the struggles you go through. And you begin to connect in a way that doesn't happen just with a shake in your hand and say, how are you doing this morning? He said, I want you to have fellowship. One way to do is breaking bread. Have a meal together. But also when we come to the Lord's table sometimes, and we break that bread. That's a commonality between all of us. And I just want you to hear me say this this morning, that fellowship is something we've got to get a hold of because our personal and collective health depends on it. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to seem very, very harsh, but I want to say it anyway. 
It is inexcusable for a believer not to be in fellowship with other believers. Inexcusable. Because when we miss biblical fellowship, guess what? We miss iron sharpening iron. We miss seeing how God is working in somebody else's life. And we are missing a key ingredient to our own personal growth when we miss biblical fellowship. One area that we've got to have a greater devotion is biblical fellowship. A third thing we need to do is have a greater expectation for God to move in our midst. Look at me in verse 43. It says this, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That word awe is a powerful word because it implies this unbelievable reverence, but it also implies this unbelievable expectation. Now follow me for just a moment. These believers were coming together centered around the teachings that Jesus was being regurgitated by the apostles. They came centered around that. That's what got them there. And then they had these great moments of fellowship. And guess what? When they showed up, they showed up with an expectation that God was going to show up. Now think about that for a moment. They showed up expecting God to show up. And what happened? Miracles, signs, wonders. In other words, this is a Doug translation. God showed up. And God did only what God could do. Now here's a question for you. When you got out of your car and you walked in the room and you told your kids to shut up for the last time and you walked through the door and everybody put a smile on, did you walk into this room today expecting to meet with God? Did you walk in this room today expecting for God to do a miracle in your marriage, a miracle in your finances, a miracle in your body? Did you expect God to show up and to meet with him like you should this morning? I think most of us don't. I think we walk in. We're glad to be here. God should be glad that I'm here. Because I have a lot of things I could be doing. But I'm here. No, no, no. When you walk through the door, I would even challenge you before you walk through the, to the, to what we're going to call this, this entryway, those, those, those sheets back there, that you would pause and say, God, I expect to meet with you today. God, I have some issues in my life, and I need a miracle that can only come from you today. God, when I show up, it's more than my presence. I'm coming expecting you to show up too. And I'm telling you, church, we have to have, we, not just me, we have to have a greater expectation for God to move in our midst. I'm just going to tell you, when God moves, it is contagious. Well, how do you know that? Well, read the book of Acts. I mean, listen, what happened in Acts was over 2,000 years ago, and here we are still talking about it. It doesn't move. doesn't stop. The movement doesn't stop. We need to have a greater expectation. Fourth is this. We need to have a greater devotion to the mission. Look at me in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, I want you to notice something with me. When this church got together, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. And here's what did not happen. Jews sat on the left side of the room. Gentiles on the right side of the room. It was not about ethnicity. It was not about division. When this first church got together, it was all about two things. It was all about Jesus has changed me and he's changed us and we're worshiping together and there's a mission that we're to be a part of. All things they had together were in common. And let me just let you hear me this morning. We need to have a greater devotion to the mission. Do you know what the mission of Cross Life is? Many of you don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but many of you don't know. Here it is. To lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, period. Straight off the Great Commission. 
I've been in churches all my life. In fact, when I was in seminary many, 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 many years ago, I had this church planning class taught by a guy who never planted a church, which was kind of odd. And he said, I want you to write a mission statement. And so I said, okay. So I wrote my mission statement. And I'm, if you're around me much, you know this. I'm not the sharpest tool in the tool shed all the time, but I study a whole lot. And so here was my mission statement. To lead a church, or maybe I didn't say church, but we had to put church in there. To lead a church to do all they can to love God and to love people. Luke 10, 27. That was my mission statement. And then other guys would come in with paragraphs. I'm like, paragraphs. Like, I want the church to equip and to explore and to exalt and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, who's going to buy into that mission? Listen, the mission of the church is simple. Lead people, make disciples, lead them into a growing relationship with Christ. How do we do that? How do we do that? It's easy. By learning to love God and what? Love people. That's how we do it. And I'm just asking this with all my heart. Do you have a devotion to our mission? I'm not talking about when you're here on Sunday. I'm talking about when you're in the workplace. Do you have a devotion to the mission that God has given the church that I'm going to do all I can to lead people to him? That when people look at me, they are redirected to him. So how I act, the language that comes out of my mouth, the words I use, the conversations I have, everything points them to knowing him. How committed are we to the mission? One last thing, and this is maybe my favorite here. Look with me, the fifth one is this. Lastly, we need to have a greater devotion to give and to serve. Look at me, verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, just think about that for a moment. The early church got together, this great devotion to the teachings, this great devotion to fellowship, this all and this, this great expectation for God to show up, this, this great devotion to the mission. But ultimately, they had a great devotion to each other, to serve and to give of what they had to meet the needs of other people. Now, if you thought about that and you thought it in context for today, that is absolutely crazy, isn't it? To think that a body of believers would get together and say, you know what? Hey, so-and-so has a need. I can sell my boat. Hey, so-and-so has a need. I can sell this. Hey, so-and-so has a need. Let me sell this so we can take and meet those needs. Listen, the one thing I love about this is the first century church really cared about each other. That's the kind of church we have to be. A church that gives and serves to one another because we care about each other. Too long, the church has been known for eating their own, not caring for their own. Right? The church has been known about abusing their own, not caring for them. And it's as simple as a phone call. It could be as simple as taking a meal to someone who just had surgery or anything like that. It could be as simple as knowing someone's hurt and you just send them a little note going, hey, this week I'm praying for you. We have to care for one another. Well, and here's the question I know some of you are thinking, well, where do we start? Oh, I got a good answer for you. You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, do I have any, do I have any widows in the room? Just stand up if you're a widow in the room. Widows, stand up. Widows, stand up. That's where we start. Are you with me, church? The Bible talks about caring for the widows and the orphans. We got four ladies right here. You all sit down. Thank you. You're like, oh, I didn't really want to stand up again. But thank you for standing up. Listen, that's where we start as a church. We got four ladies right here. Miss Sylvia, Miss Donna, Miss Anita, Miss Nancy. Right here, four amazing ladies that I promise you, if you spend any time talking to them, any time conversing with them, the love they have for the Lord is just oozes out of them. You, I mean, you want to be around them. 
You want to be close to them. And guess what? They're widows and they have needs and the church needs to rise up and take care of them if we're going to fill the biblical mandate. Take care of the widows and the orphans. That's a great place for us to start. Church, we have to be more devoted, greater devotion to give and to serve and, and to care for another. Now let me close with this. My prayer for us is that we would have a greater devotion in all these areas, but here's why. Look with me in the very end, verse 47, 46 and 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Listen to this, praising God and having favor with all the people. Underline that in your Bible. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Now, I want you just to hear my heart for a moment. My prayer for us is that we would have a greater devotion to his word, a greater devotion to fellowship, a greater expectation that he's going to move in our midst, a greater devotion to the mission, and a greater devotion to give and to serve one another. And here's why I want us to do that, because of these two verses. Guess what? Look at verse 47 again. Look what it says. And having favor with who? The people. And having favor. Listen, the people that were lost noticed how saved people treated each other. And it impacted their life. You say, well, Doug, how in the world is that possible in the world that we live in today? Well, I can tell you how. Because when we were serving at uh, back to, the Bithel Back to School Fair, and all you guys, like 42 of us were there, and we're serving. We had our shirts on like Ron's got on. And then we, were, we were a presence to be there, which was wonderful. And we're going around talking to people. And I never forget this. Roxy came up to me, and she said this. She said, you know what? Your church really likes each other, don't they? Now, what was she saying? There's something different about them. And they're gaining credibility and influence in my life because of the way they act. Listen, church, I want us to have a greater devotion in all these areas for two reasons. Number one, I want greater influence and I want greater favor in our community. We're already getting there, but we're not there yet. We're already getting some favor and some influence in our community of Bithlow, but we're not there yet. We've got to get Cypress Lakes. We've got to get Corner Lakes. We've got to get Wedgefield. We've got other areas we've got to get after. We want our influence and our favor to spread that's one reason I want some greater sense of devotion. Secondly, it's because it says, and the Lord, everybody say the Lord. the Lord. Not Doug, not the deacons, not small group leaders. The Lord added to their numbers day by day, those who are being saved. Just look around. We don't do this very often, but look around. What do you see a few of today, which is wonderful? What do you see a few of today? Be careful with your answers. Empty seats. Empty seats. Hey, you know what I pray every day, and I want us to pray together? Lord, would you build these seats? Yeah. Lord, would you bring people through those doors that need to hear the good news of the gospel that will respond and enter into your kingdom through eternal life? God, would you bring them to us? It's kind of like the old, remember the old movie, Field of Dreams? If you build it. So I'm praying, Lord, if we're faithful, will you send them? If we're faithful, Lord, would you send them? Not because I want more numbers on a row but because I want more people into the kingdom of heaven, right? See, the reason I want us to have a greater sense of devotion so that we can have favor with our community and so that we can experience the blessing of God in our life. Now, here's the thing I want you to think about as we close, and it's this. What is our motivation? Because as I was thinking about my message, I thought, man, I really like what this is, I'm gonna say. I'm excited about this. But if I'm the skeptic in the seat, here's the question I'm gonna have. Okay, Doug, you talk about having a greater devotion, but what's gonna motivate me? to have that greater sense of devotion. See, I think...
I think the motivation for us to have a greater devotion is this. Listen to me. Approximately 21,450, say that with me, 21,450 people in our area that have disconnected from God and don't attend church. Listen, I'm not okay with that. Are you? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. In other words, there's a harvest out there. Walk across the street in Cyprus. Walk across the road in Corner Lakes. Go back down the road to Bithel. Go down to Wedgefield. Go even further out to Deerwood. I mean, just keep going to Fairway Winds. I mean, we're surrounded by people. There's a harvest. There's not enough laborers. And I want us today to stand up and say, I'll be the one. I'll be the one that says, I'm not okay with 21,450 people that are going to split hell wide open. I'll be the one that says, I care about them. I love them. I'm willing to go, Lord, and to do and to be all that you want me to do and be. I will be greatly devoted to these things, Lord, so I can gain favor with our community and so you will bless us. I will be the one that will go. That's what I want today. People will say, I'll be the one. So here's my question. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Thank you, Zion. Yes. Will you be the one? That brother will be the one too, I'm telling you. Will you be the one? See, here's what I think. Some of you today, maybe you need to say, I need to be the one that for the first time gives my life to Christ. Because a while ago, you heard me talk about how God and his faithfulness has changed lives here in the last year. We've seen it through people responding. We've seen it through salvation. We've seen it through baptism. And some of you today, when you heard all these different things I threw out at you about how God is changing lives, you probably thought this, I want that. I want that. And maybe today, you need to be the one that says yes to Jesus. You need to be the one that says, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I surrender my life to you, and ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And maybe that's the decision you make. And if you've made that today, I'm going to be right here in a moment. I'd love to talk with you. Or you can take your connection card and fill that out, as Elijah mentioned, and let us know today you said yes to Jesus. Or maybe here, you're here today, and you say, Doug, I want to be the one. Man, when I watch that video, something stirs in me, and I want to be the one. But honestly, Doug, there's some things holding me back. I've been hurt by church. That's why, I don't, that's why I'm not overly devoted to God's word. I've been hurt by church. That's why I'm not overly devoted to fellowship and to being around other believers because people hurt people. Listen, can I tell you what your response today needs to be if you're a believer? You need to find yourself on your knees, on your face before a holy God, asking God to take away all the things that are holding you back because none of them are good excuses. None of them are okay. You know Why? Because there's 21,450 people who are disconnected from God and don't attend church that need to hear the good news of Christ. And so some of you that say, hey, Doug, I want to be the one, but things are holding me back. Today, your invitation is, I want, to, I want you to be at the altar, on your knees before a holy God, saying, Lord, remove these things in my life. And then if you're here today, say, Doug, I'm with you, man. I'm ready. I'm, Doug, I'm so with you. I'm ready to attack hell with a water pistol, just like you, Doug. I'm ready to get after this thing. What I want you to respond to today is this. I want you to sing a song. That, is written by, that was written by Patrick and Elijah and our Kaleo band. And the song simply says this, here am I, send me. It's the cry of Isaiah. Here my Lord, send me. And I'll go because I know that you're with me. And if you're ready to join me and be the one, and you're a believer and you're ready to get after it, would you let this song be your response to him? Everybody stand with me with every head bowed. And every eye closed. Everyone stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And just before I pray for us, if you're that person today that says, you know what, I need a life change like you talked about, Doug, would you just take a moment 
and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I've rebelled against you. But I need something to change in my life. And I've tried everything else. But today I surrender my life to you. Man, if you'll do that, wow. The Bible says, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If you'll confess that today, your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you'll have a home in heaven. Will you be the one that makes that decision today? Or maybe you're that person here I mentioned that, man, you want to be the one, but you've got some things holding you back. Please, please let those things go today. Find yourself at this altar, on your knees, on your face before a holy God, and just cry out to him. Or if you're that believer that truly is ready to get after it, man, you are so fired up, your clothes can't contain you right now, that you will let this song be your response. Lord, here I am. Send me, not my neighbor, not my spouse, not my kids. Lord, here I am. Send me. God, we love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for this powerful, powerful passage of this first church that came together. And Lord, I pray as a body of believers that we would have a greater devotion to all these things. That God, we'd be devoted to your word, devoted to fellowship, devoted to wanting to experience you and expect you to show up devoted to your mission and devoted to care for one another. Lord, I pray we would be devoted so that we could continue to gain favor in our communities. And Lord, we ask you, if we are faithful, will you bless us? We know that Jesus said that he builds his church. Would you build your church in us? Lord, we love you. May you speak to us. And may we respond as you move us today. Whether it's for salvation, whether it's coming to this altar to pray, or whether it's declaring the truth of what we're about to sing, Lord. May we be faithful to respond. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. And everybody shout it, amen. Amen. amen.